Good morning, International Christian Fellowship, Rome, Italy, online, on campus. It's Pastor Jennifer here. It's summer and God is doing new things. It's a new season. And so today I want to say welcome. Welcome to the family. We love that so many have joined us online and now we're seeing them join us on campus. So I invite you today to lean into worship, to lean into the ministry of the word. For those of you that are traveling and you're working or you're on holiday, we don't go on holiday from Jesus. He's with us always. He's as close as the mention of his name. So as you enter into worship, I pray that you have a blessed Sunday. Thank you for joining us and know that the Lord has a great word for you today. I also want to welcome those online to our online campus. So hello, online campus. Uh, we are so glad that you are here today. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Chris Gray. Uh, my wife and I, we are missionaries here in Italy, along with Pastor Jen. Uh, this year, we've been helping out with the children's ministry in the back, so you don't always get to see us out here. Uh, feel free to come back there and say hi to us, all right, because we don't get to see all of you guys, all your beautiful faces. Um, this month, we've been talking about chosen, and I know we've had a little bit gaps throughout the summer and all that, but today we're going to talk about chosen. We're talking about you are the right person, you are in the right place, and you are in the right time. You see, God has placed a calling on all of our lives, which in turn means he has chosen us for a particular task or many tasks. And today I want to show, tell you about somebody in the Bible. You know probably very well if you've read your Bible, if you start out in Genesis. We're going to talk about Joseph and his story and how he was chosen several different times to be in the right place at the right time. So before we get started, if you would, bow your heads with me so we can pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you right now for choosing us to be in this place, to hear this word that you have given me to share with these people in this room, Lord. Lord God, I pray that you open our hearts and our minds for the word that you are trying to speak to us. Lord, that we are here in the right place and in the right time. In your name we pray. Amen. So as I share this story today, I want you to think of one thing, or actually multiple things, that you are chosen, that you are chosen to be right here, not only in this room, but right here in this city, in this country, and that God has put you here for this time. Now, that can be hard at times to think that I'm here for whatever reason. We are all from different cultures, different places, different nations, but God has placed us all in this room and in this country for a reason. And I want to go back to Genesis and tell you about Joseph. You see, we meet Joseph in Genesis, and he's probably, I'm guessing, probably a teenager. All right? Think of the middle schoolers, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16-year-olds. And he is the favorite son of his father. Now, his father has many sons, but Joseph is the favorite. Now, how many of you think you were your father's favorite son? Child, son, child. See, I see these hands go up. I, I'm not going to raise mine because I think my sister was the favorite. But, uh, but 
parents try not to have favorites, but Joseph's father had a favorite. And because of that, his siblings, his brothers did not like that. They hated him. They despised him. And that's how we meet Joseph. He is the carefree child who's got the favor of his father. And so in Genesis chapter 37, we find out that not only is he his father's favorite, God speaks to him through dreams. So Genesis chapter 37, verses 5 through 11, it says, and just imagine this. I don't think Joseph just walked out to talk to his brothers like this. You know, I think he came running out of his tent saying, brothers, 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 listen to what this dream is. Imagine him doing that and then coming up to his brothers. It says here, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field. Then suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him. They hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream, and he told his brothers, just still think, he's running out of his tent to tell his brothers, listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in his mind. You see, as we progress through the chapter of Genesis, I'm not going to read every single one of them, because if not, we'd be here all day just reading about Joseph and his story. But as time goes forward, we know that Joseph's brothers had the opportunity to fake his death to fake Joseph's death and sell him into slavery. And so he was sold into slavery. But you see, Joseph had a relationship with God and he was blessed with dreams and visions of the future. He didn't know what God's plan was, but God, keyword here, God had chosen him. God had chosen him to be the savior of his family. He did not know that at the time. He's still a young man. And as I turn my pages, I get caught. Um, but he did not know this. But God was taking him on a journey. God was taking him on a journey from his land to a place where he had become the right person in the right place and the right time to save his family. You see, Joseph arrived in Egypt. He was, he could be broken. His brothers had sold him into slavery. I don't know if you can imagine that. Your brothers, your sisters just going, I'm selling you. I'm selling you because I don't like you. I don't want to see you again. He could have been downbeat, downtrodden, but he was sold into Egypt, and he landed in the house of Potiphar. Now, most of you know this story. Potiphar is a mighty man. He's in control of a lot of things in Egypt. And as Joseph is there, he becomes again the right person, the right place at the right time. If God was not with him, 
Potiphar would not have seen him. Because I believe, just like with the Romans in this town, that their slaves were not seen. They were there for a purpose. But for some reason, God made it so that Joseph could be seen by the man, the most power, one of the most powerful men in all of Egypt. And what did Potiphar do? He said, God has blessed you. And God has blessed you, and so I'm going to put you in charge of my entire house. Now, I don't know about you, but to come from a place where you were the favorite, you're sold into slavery, you are a slave, and now you're put in charge of everything in this house except for the wife. I heard it, the wife, right? The wife. I'm not even going to go into that part of the story because the wife is trying to take advantage of Joseph, trying to do something that is wrong. But this ends up putting Joseph again into a bad place. It lands Joseph where? Where does it land him? In prison. So through no fault of his own, Joseph found himself in Pharaoh's prison. But amazingly, God has plans for Joseph, even in the darkest of places. How many of you could worship God if you were just thrown in prison for something you did not do? We would all like to say yes. We all want to be able to sit here and say yes. But none of us, most of us, there might be some of you, I don't know, because I don't know all of you, but there are people thrown in prison for their faith. And I want to believe that if I'm, if I'm thrown in prison for that, that I'll still be able to praise Jesus. Okay? In Genesis chapter 39, verses 21 through 23, it says, But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Again, Joseph is being seen, even in prison. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those. Again, he's put in charge of all those held in the prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Isn't that amazing? He's sold into slavery. He leads the house. He's thrown into jail. He's thrown into prison. He's given leadership. He's in the right place at the right time for something that God wants him to do. So even though Joseph was again in a place of discomfort, a place where most of us would be complaining and thinking, maybe God has abandoned us. Joseph did not think like this. He trusted God and was placed in a position from which he could still operate and be used for God in order to save his family. Again, as we go forward in the chapter, we hear about Joseph again. As he's there, Pharaoh goes, I'm throwing my cupbearer and my baker. They're going to prison. And when they're in prison, Joseph is placed over them. And while he's there, both of these people have dreams. And God is still with Joseph. And the baker and the cupbearer, these are two very important people to Pharaoh. They tell Joseph their dreams, and Joseph interprets them. These men are left. They leave prison. They go back to the service of Pharaoh. Joseph is still in the prison, still there. But he was placed in a spot and a time to be able to interpret those dreams for a reason. He's still on a journey where God wants to take him. 
So a little while later, Pharaoh, he, Pharaoh has a dream. And Pharaoh's dream, he, nobody can seem to tell him what it means. And so the cupbearer and the baker, they say, well, Joseph interpreted our dreams. And they told Pharaoh this. So Pharaoh calls Joseph. And Joseph is able to interpret those dreams. Again, God placed Joseph in a place where he could be seen by someone so that God could use him again for his, on his journey to save his family. Joseph still didn't know that that's why he was there. And sometimes we don't know why, why we are where we are. We are on a journey. In Genesis 41, verses 39 through 40, it says here that, Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. And if I remember correctly, Joseph is around 30 years old at this point. And the Pharaoh is saying, there's no one as discerning and as wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are submitted to your orders. Only with respect to the throne, I will be greater than you. So Joseph is now, he went from being his favorite son to being sold into slavery, to being thrown into prison, to now being second in command of what would be considered probably at that time the largest and most powerful nation on on the planet. How amazing is that? But yet again, the scripture shows that Joseph was the right person in the right place at the right time in order to fulfill what God was planning to do. See, it was tough. It was hard. But God has a plan. So Joseph, we come to coming to the end of this story of Joseph. We know that there was a famine in the land. We know that Joseph prepared the, the country of Egypt, the nation of Egypt, to be able to provide food, not only for Egypt, but for other nations. In chapter 42, the famine has hit, and the known world and Joseph's brothers have come to Egypt. They've come to Egypt because they are hungry. They have no food. They have nothing. But they know Egypt has it, so they came to beg for it. And I'm not going to go into this full story of what, what Joseph does with, with trying to find out all the... I mean, it's, it's several chapters. It's very long. But, they, but his brothers unknowingly came to buy food from their brother, the ruler over the lands of Egypt. See, they did not know. They did not know that what they did years ago had set in motion what God wanted so that they could be saved. They hated their brother. And they put him on a path, but they put him on the path that God wanted them to put him on. In Genesis chapter 42, verses 6 through 7, it says, Now Joseph was the governor of the land, the person who sold grain to all his people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them. But he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. And he said, where do you come from, he asked. And they said, from the land of Canaan. From the land of Canaan to buy food. They didn't know, but God knew. And as we're on a journey, we are all on a journey in this room. Myself, yourselves, we're all on a journey that God has chosen us for. And what's most amazing is, 
is right here in Genesis chapter 45, verses 4 through 8. It says, Then Joseph said to his brothers, and this is after he reveals himself to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. He didn't blame his brothers. He said, God sent him. God sent him ahead of you. For two years now, there had been famine in the land. And for the next five years, there'll be no plowing. There'll be no reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you the remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. God sent him to save his family. And then I, I, I find it awesome here, in chap, not chapter, but verse 8. It says, So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. But God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of Egypt. But it says, So then, I was not... It was not you who sent me here, but God. Could you imagine being those brothers? I don't even want to imagine that. <laughs> that that's, that's like in your face, God, God sent me. You see, this story concludes with the physical salvation of Joseph's family. If Joseph had not been chosen by God to be the right person, to be in the right place so many different times throughout his story, the right time his family most likely would have perished yes it was not easy for joseph and yes it's not easy for us in this room but god has chosen he chose joseph he has chosen me and he has chosen you to be the right person in the right place right here in this city right here in this church right here where you're at but it also has chosen the time and the place. The time is now that God has chosen you. As I close today, I know I went kind of quick. And if uh, the worship team wants to come, I do want to share a story. It's my story. It's a, chose, it's a story of how I was chosen and chosen to be in a particular place at a given time. As I tell the story, we have this swing up here on this picture. I'm going to go back to very quickly. Some of you have known me for many years. Some of you know some of my story. I came to Italy when I was six and a half years old. When I left Italy at 18. Kind of look out, Joseph. There's steps in our lives. Look at your lives as I tell this story. Because I'm sure you can look back at different spots. I grew up in Italy. I went back to the United States. I was in a place where God was training me. I didn't know God was training me. And then God called us into missions. God called us here to Italy to work with children. But God always places things in our lives. He chooses specific times and specific places for things. So this past summer was filled with many different camps with kids. We started out, Kim and I, my wife, 
We started out with a vacation Bible school right here at ICF Rome. Approximately 30-ish kids impacting the lives of children. We moved on from there. We went to Germany and we led another camp for another 30 kids, ages, I will say, ages zero to 12. They were literally, there was only a couple, this child was a couple weeks old. God chose us to be there at that time in that place for a reason. But then we have a third camp that came along. And this is the one I'm going to tell you the story from because, you know, we tend to think God has chosen me for in a time and a place. It has to be something big. It doesn't have to be something big. Your whole purpose could be in this room today to say something to one person and that could change their life. So the third camp, we had to leave our children with friends. Our children could not come. I'm going to set the scene because this camp is, for, is a camp for kids in foster care. These are kids who have been removed from their home and from their parents. These kids no longer have their parents above them for whatever reason. It could have been abuse. It could have been anything. But these kids were removed and they came to this camp. There was about 30 children. And I believe that God chose Kim and I to be there for many different reasons. But this one story... It happened starting the very first day. And the way this camp is set up, the child has a counselor with them at all times. And Kim and I, we were kind of extra eyes. We we're kind of following them around, kind of learning the camp. And there was this one girl, it was, we've probably only been at the camp for about three hours. And this one girl, she's about eight years old. And I didn't know this at the time, but you would almost think she was nonverbal. She wouldn't speak. And later on, you can kind of anytime you ask her a question, she'd whisper it to her counselor so her counselor could answer. And so this this very first day, I, I was walking around and I, I saw her swinging on a swing, kind of like this. And her counselor was pushing her. And I want to particularly show that this tree was right there. And this picture is actually perfect. And I thank the media team for finding this. This girl was swinging and she was kicking a branch. You see those low-hanging branches right there. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to go sit next to this girl. I'm, I'm just swinging in the swing next to her. And I was swinging, and I could tell she, there was no smile on her face. There was nothing. But she was kicking the tree branch. And I told her, I was like, why are you kicking the tree? And I kind of see a look in her eyes like, what's this guy asking me? Why am I kicking a tree? You know, so she's swinging and kicking the tree. She keeps doing it, and I was like, you know, when, you, when we get off here, you're going to have to apologize to the tree. And you can see this big smile. Like I see some of you already have smiles on your face. You see, that was a smile. Throughout the rest of the time, every time I'd see her, I'd give her a fist bump and I'd ask her if she apologized to the tree today. Or something, did you say hi to the tree? Did you kick the tree? And the smile would come every single time. And the very last day of camp, the kids are getting signatures on their on their shirts and all this. And I go up to her and I give her a fist bump and see how she's doing. And she's still talking through her counselor. She still whispers it, but she's smiling. You see, I then ask her, do you want to go swing again? Do you want to go kick that tree again? And you should have seen the big smile on her face. She smiled. She nodded yes. And we went to kick the tree again. But you know what? The point of the story is at the end, when all the counselors came together, after these kids had gone home, her counselor came up to me. See, her counselor had met her before camp. 
and already knew her, the child's story and knew that this child did not smile. She came and said that because of what I did was the very first smile that she had ever seen on that child's face. That child with that smile opens the door for the gospel, opens the door for other people to pour into her. I point that out because like I said a few minutes ago, you're in a time and a place. It might just be to bring a smile to a child, a smile to a coworker. It could be bring a smile to Angel over here as she translates, because I know she doesn't like it as much. But the point is, God has chosen you. I believe that God is telling you three things today. You are the right person. You are the right person for whatever God has put the journey, he put you in your journey for. You are in the right place, whether that's here in ICF Rome or here in Italy or here in Rome or where you're going next. He is putting you in the right place and this is the right time. God has chosen all of us. And today, as we close the service, um, go ahead and stand, please. I don't have this big altar call today, but I do wanna offer the altar up here to you. If you feel like you need to seek God to find out what journey he has placed you on, or if you know that you are on that journey and that you just need to say yes more. Yes, Lord, I am in this place and I'm willing to be used by you. Well, isn't the word of God amazing? It's life-giving. It's faith breathing. It's transpiring your destiny for this week. I want you to know that every time I make a video for you, I invite you to join me to agree together for what God wants to do in your life. So the first thing I want to do is say, you know what? Maybe there's been some things in your life this week. Maybe something in the message you listen to makes you realize, God, I need to give you a new commitment. Jesus, I need to trust you in a brand new way. Maybe he needs to redeem some things in your circumstance. I wanna invite you right now to pray with me and to send me an email that you have prayed this prayer because I want you to know you're not gonna do this faith journey alone. And he is gonna help you do it in a brand new way. So agree with me and pray with me. After I pray, you pray, okay? Dear Lord Jesus, you say it. Dear Lord Jesus, I invite you I invite you right now to take full authority in my life. Forgive me for anything that has taken me off course. Forgive me and help me to trust you in every way. Lord, from this day forward, for the rest of my days, I will keep holding your hand, holding on to your word, and trusting you with every detail of my life. Today, Jesus, you say it, today, Jesus, I belong to you and I receive your love and your healing in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You prayed that prayer with me. I want you to send us an email. I've got people that have been online that have walked into the church campus and said, that was me. And now I'm here and I need community of faith. So I also want to pray this prayer with you because I believe that your miracle is in motion. And I believe that in this summer, God is wanting to do something new in each of us. 
and our miracles are in motion. Our lives are in motion. We're in new seasons, but he hasn't walked away. He's walking right beside us. And so I want to pray with you for whatever you have need of. And I want you to know that when you write us, we are praying for you. You are not doing this life or this journey or this process alone. So Father, right now, I pray for your son and your daughter that are watching online on campus. I pray for the ones who are traveling. I pray for the ones who are moving to Rome and looking for that place to belong. I pray for the ones who are watching online and saying today, God, I needed a word from you. Let this be the word right now, Lord Jesus, that you're with your daughter, that you're with her family. God, let this be the word for your son, that you have a calling on his life, that you're with him, that you're walking with him, that anointing and favor is upon him. And Lord, for that miracle in motion, whether it be physical or financial or relational, let your child of faith say, Lord, I will keep trusting you. So, Father, I thank you for the miracle in motion. I thank you for the supernatural intervention in everything your child needs. And I pray that in this moment, faith would feel alive and fresh and we have a new outlook for the week ahead. I love you and I bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. So now I want to say, don't forget to write. Don't forget to join us online. Thank you for what you're doing to be a part of our global, worldwide family. God is doing miracles, and you're a part of it. I love you.